0: Good evening. Uh, I would invite you to turn with me to uh, the letter to the Hebrews in the New Testament. Hebrews chapter 1, uh, beginning of verse 1 to 4. Let's pray. Oh God, our Father, uh, those who came before us longed to see the glory uh, that you would reveal in your son, whom you would send, your Messiah. And we have been the recipients of that glory. And we ask that in the preaching of your word, in our listening, and in our gathering together, you would make so much of your son that he would be Uh our delight, our joy in all things. Uh, We pray in his name. Amen. Uh, The Renaissance. Renaissance, that is uh, from the 1400s to the 1600s A.D., uh, brought with it many forms of uh, trying to be excellent uh, in terms of human prospering uh, in society. And one of those was the accumulation of all the gifts and all the knowledge and and all the aptitude in, in what is known as the Renaissance man. The Renaissance man was to be a kind of a jack of all trades and a master of all, not just a master of none. Skilled in geometry, the sciences, arts, and proficient in languages, and even, and even theology. But sadly, uh, even without rebirth, because uh, the Renaissance means the rebirth of, of society, sadly with that, the age came to an end and the Renaissance men along with it. Ages come and go, and so questions about how the world is maintained, swept up as it were, uh, the, these questions still remain in the midst of such changes, and so we cannot afford to put our hope in the prevailing culture that is doomed to die, godless and hopeless as it is. And so, and so in, the, in the pages of God's word we are invited to to look, to catch a glimpse of what it looks like to be the true renaissance man, as it were. And so, uh, scripture presents one true man in whom all God's purposes uh, come to fulfillment, who is not only impressive in skill, but also the most glorious person ever. Uh, So... Turning to, to Hebrews, the apostle to the Hebrews invites us to exalt in this person and his work uh, so gloriously displayed, the Lord Jesus that is. And we have come to consider not just who, who we say Jesus is, but who he has declared himself to be as the revelation of God to us. So uh, by way of context, it is necessary for us to see uh, and recognize that the Christians to whom uh, the, apo- the apostle writes seems to be, uh, they seem to be in danger of slipping back into the old ways, now having come into the salvation uh, in Jesus, because the old is familiar, the old is comfortable. And yet, uh, with the threat of persecution and, and the blunder of all their property, it seems so alluring to turn back into that comfort of Jewish customs, um, like them, we are called upon to never uh, recapitulate to, to the changing times and wish for those good old days. Because, as we will see in our text, there is nothing like the good old days. We, are, we have a hope that is alive in Jesus that is better than the old that has come. And so, uh, the comfort then for the Christian is uh, to look at the incomparable and insuperable. Jesus Christ, who is worth trusting because of who he is and the work he has achieved. So in Jesus, says the apostle, we have the insurpassable revelation of God himself and the sufficient sacrifice for sin by the sinless high priest and who is not even compared to angels in their ranks. So it is to the introduction of this whole letter that we, that we begin. So read along with me. he sat down at the right hand of the Majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. suppose this is a good summary. We can all go home now. <laughs> uh, it is indeed a good summary and uh, an introduction to the rest of of the letter, uh, setting up for us the ways in which uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, blows the standards and the categories of any description of the charts. He is greater than the prophets. Because as the Lord had promised one prophet like Moses uh, from among the people that he would bring up and the whole assembly was to listen to him. Uh, the Lord's revelation culminates then in Jesus Christ, of whom the Lord says, This is my son, my beloved, listen to him. Twice in the Gospels, we we, we heard this testimony, the baptism, and also during the Transfiguration of the Lord Jesus. Listen to him. Uh, he is greater than the angels because the message he brings is not an accessory, uh, an addition, a supplement, but he himself is that word. And finally, he brings full salvation and the atonement and, and purification for sins that he accomplishes once and for all time, unlike those priests of old uh, whose work was never done. Uh, you might say, yes, but come on, that, that is just a survey of the book. Uh, we must, we must by way of such a survey be brought to, into this and in any text of scripture, lest, lest we miss the terms and categories that scripture has for itself, right? Uh, it is God's word after all, and it is not our own, and we must read it by his own terms. And so we, we begin there. Uh, God speaks the God who speaks Uh, we are introduced here to uh, the God who speaks and progressively reveals his plan and purposes throughout time so that we who have been placed at the unfolding end of his revelation uh, as we've been going through Ephesians we've been told we are at the end uh, of the unfolding of that mystery hidden for all ages, but now revealed in Christ. Right. Now God has spoken, and we know that whenever he speaks, he speaks only truth, and, and this is a call for us. And as, as the history of the church testifies, that we must take God's word seriously, uh, lest we be like uh, those who, who feel like they can do with it whatever uh, they want to do with it. So while the revelation given to the prophets, as we see in in our first verse, long ago at many times, in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. So while while the, the revelation given to the prophets in prophecy, dreams and visions, and indeed all the various ways was true, it was, in a sense, still veiled, veiled until the last days. And we will get to these last days in a moment. Uh, We do not have to list all the ways God spoke in the past, but we recall that he spoke through angels, he spoke spoke through prophets, by casting lots, by the Urim and Thummim, uh, by a loud voice, by the sound of silence, by the handwriting on the wall, and even through a donkey. It It is not a way of disregarding the prophets through whom God surely spoke as Uh, we we read in in our passage today. But it, it is a statement of the finality and completion of God's word and revelation in Jesus Christ. The prophets on one hand were many and dreams and visions abounded, but there is only one son presented as the high point of God's communication of himself. The purpose of these statements is not to suggest a discontinuity between the Old Revelation and the New Revelation, also known as the Old Testament, and the New Testament. But it is to state that the one and the same God who spoke in times past is the same who is speaking now. So that the harmony of these two revelations, the New Testament and the Old Testament, must be maintained. And we see how the Lord Jesus reads for us the Old Testament and says, this is about himself. He is the purpose and the goal and the point of all of those uh, prophecies and messages. Uh, practically, this helps us uh, to see the unity and progression of God's revelation in time, beginning with the promises, uh, anticipation, and finally its fulfillment. We know more in Jesus about God, about ourselves, about what it means to be God's people in the church, Uh, and only in Jesus, and at which place we are in time. Uh, And to borrow words to sum up in a way, the Old Testament anticipates the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, then the Gospels announce him, the Acts proclaim and preach Jesus, the letters and epistles explain who he is, and we are in an epistle as it is. The church now exists at the end of, of receiving the full and final revelation of God, In these last days. And so this means if you are expecting a loud voice from God as you seek him, expect no less than Jesus. Expect no more than Jesus. If you want to hear the voice of God, you must, we must have our Bibles open and read them in terms of Jesus Christ. Isn't it a wonder that we pray and pray, and yet with our Bibles closed? We feel like God has forgotten. God does not answer. Uh, what does this mean then? Uh, many people, again, try to fast and pray to, to no avail, and yet do not realize that God has indeed spoken and fully disclosed his purpose and plans in Jesus Christ. And a word in short on fasting here, uh, we, fast, we fast so we can come to grips with our frailty, and remember that men shall not live on bread alone, by, but by the very same word that proceeds from the mouth of God. God has spoken concerning himself and the world that he has made, and his interpretation of all that he does will never mislead us. Right. Uh, so the word from the mouth of God, then, it, it surely does us, undeceive us in, in the midst of uh, so many voices in, in the culture uh, Claiming our attention. And it does relieve us of ignorance, ignorance of life, uh, ignorance of what it means to be created by God. And so this is uh, a way of calling us uh, to not to try to divine a word from, from God here and there, outside of Jesus, and with Bibles closed. And if you're trying to do that, uh, good luck. Uh, but we're in the age of the Spirit, some, some may say, as they recall it at this, uh, but we, we are turning into this, seeing that the age of the Spirit freely given is the age of these last days uh, that, that we are just approaching uh, now. Uh, and so we turn then to what these last days mean. Uh, these last days in which God has spoken to us in his son, Refer to the closing of the present age, Uh, we have again recall been going in in Ephesians seeing that contrast between the old and the new, the old man and the new man created in Christ, and the present evil age and the new age of God's promises being fulfilled. And so these last days then uh, will refer to the coming of the Lord's Messiah and the new covenant that he brings with him. Uh, he is no ordinary Messiah, for he is the Son of God, and uniquely so, without need of emphasis, uh, look at, without need of emphasis of a definite article. You know, for, for those who, who are linguists among you you, you, you may have noted that, but it lacks a definite article. But we've come to know that things that are unique And grand on their own need no definite article, need no expression of emphasis. And such is this son, the Lord Jesus, that we are being brought to. Uh, These last days also would see the dawn of grace unfolded for all to see. And we know this grace is a person. This grace is also truth. Uh, Recall here the words of John concerning the word that was in the beginning, that was with God, that was. God, and without whom nothing has been made that could be made without him. So he says, this is John 1, uh, verse 14, he says, Here the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, he again is our conscience that we're getting into. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth have come through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. This is an insurpassable revelation, but insurpassable, I'll keep repeating this word, by insurpassable, I mean there is no more that can be better than him. There is no more that can be added unto him. And so God, having in times past spoken, gave his revelation through the prophets, but now he speaks in his son. The prophets were instruments carrying God's word with them, but the son is the revelation of God in person. And so... Uh, we, we found out then that the last days refer to the age to come, that the prophets, the prophets in the Old Testament, we are, we are reading in, in Jeremiah these evenings. Please uh, come back again uh, for more. <laughs> uh, but we will come to a point where this will become clear how these last days, the days to come, the age to come, uh, is promised, they are promised by. the the Lord God and they will be brought by the person, his Messiah. So we we must follow then the the New Testament interpretation of the old uh, by insisting that the hope that God's people had looked forward to uh, has now come in person in the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, In those days which are referenced here as these days, the faithfulness of God would be vindicated. Most of Israel, uh, remember, had been carried off into exile, and there they came to feel as though God, the Lord, had failed to keep his promise. After all, the temple was destroyed, the princes were castrated. Uh, Questions like, where, where was the son of David to reign on the throne forever? In this context, Then the Lord had comforted them and pointed them forward to a day and age in which he would uniquely do a work like, unlike any other before, a work that none else except the Lord himself could achieve. And you can can search this out for yourselves, uh, Joel, Jeremiah, uh, Ezekiel, and uh, the rest of scripture is full of these. So the puzzle then that results in this spiritual tension and hesitation that we see or that is hidden behind these words for the Hebrews, and indeed for us, lies in the fact that the new age has truly come and we've been brought into it, and yet we still live in this present and decaying age where the old men, sin and death, are sadly the norm. So there's a constant pull to want to go back and back into the old ways. It is then the, the apostle's point that now and through Jesus, God has spoken and revealed all that hope and comfort in full, and that presently he is in heaven ministering uh, on our behalf because now we have our man in heaven. The same one is the Son, the Son who is the word himself, who, uh, who unlike the prophets does not need to come with the introductions of thus says the Lord. But whenever he speaks, right? If, if you've observed, he says, truly, truly I say to you. So as the son, he carries the authority of the father. And uh, we, we, we must touch in passing uh, what it means for him to be, to be son not being uh, overly dogmatic in, in any means, uh, but... Uh, here we go. In these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. Uh, the Son, the Son is called the heir of all things, and but as we look at the direction of the thought, it is his being an heir that comes before his. Uh, upholding of the universe in verse 3. The son has always been the son of the father, and and yet there is a sense in which he must come into the inheritance as a man on our behalf in time. Uh, This is not the first time we encountered the name son. It is said of Adam. It was said of Israel corporately. It was said of David or to say that he comes in the flesh to restore what was lost due to sin and rebellion by, by Adam, and then inherit all things and be Lord of all things as God the Son incarnate. And so then uh, it is not a stretch for us to say twice he is Son, Son of God in eternity, Son of God incarnate on our behalf. This is the glory of the incomparable Christ, then, who surpasses all heirs and sons in order to make us heirs and, and sons in his kingdom. And being eternal, he does not have any origin. Uh, and some, some, some of you might, st- might start to, to recall and think this is abstract thought, but this is the hinge of, of the entire New Testament, that the Lord Jesus is who he is and is able to do what he does because, unlike us, he has never had any origin to begin with. And so, uh, being eternal, he does not have any origin but is himself the origin of all things, even of all the ages and time. So, Jesus is not the greatest of all of God's creation, uh, po- uh, contrary to popular belief. Everything exists of him and from him. This is important to get because it is, he is as the son of man that he then sits down, meaning he sits down as our representative, gaining a name, a people, and a kingdom. Twice over, he is glorious as God and as man now, our man in heaven. Uh, In verse three, uh, we we are shown uh, about the beauty and the glory of the Son in, in reflecting and representing God in the flesh. The glory of God is a statement of his being as he is. And in the Son, he has just exploded into time and space. So no wonder, when, when Philip, Philip requests to see the Father, in John 14, Lord Jesus says, Have I been with you so long, Philip, that you still do not know me? Whoever has seen me, has seen the Father, how can you say, show us the Father? So what you see in Jesus is what you get in God. Uh, so then, for those who might be tempted again to, to wonder when this sonship began, uh, consider the question, when has God ever been without his glory and the light of his image? Since... Uh, According to verse 3, the sun is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. Well, think it out. This is helpful for the Hebrews and for us by way of realizing that in Jesus, uh, the radiance of the glory of God has come uh, to dispel darkness, ignorance, and translate us into the kingdom of light. Among all those creeds in our family history, uh, that we so easily tend to dismiss as this is just too liturgical. These words were not just made up for the fancy. And uh, hear these words from the, from the Nicene Creed from uh, 325 AD. So what, who do we believe in? We believe in God, the Father, who has created the world and all that is in it. And then this next section, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of the Father, before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, and by whom all things were made. By whom all things were made. And so uh, we see then, because the Son bears the exact imprint of God's nature, he, say, he shares the same un- undivided nature with the Father, so that the force of his words, The force of him being that very word and the salvation he brings become so impossible to describe, so impossible to contain. It is great beyond any comparison and cannot be surpassed because Jesus is great and beyond any comparison. Yet even as we look at him, he does assure us that indeed we do see in him the Father in all of his glory. And so if you are searching uh, like the rest of the world, to this uh, new-agey uh, kind of philosophy. If you do not come to Jesus, you always uh, be lost in darkness, never seeing the light. There is no enlightenment unless we see God in Jesus. Uh, and so we, we move on. And... He upholds the universe by the word of His power. Uh, this is this is a comment. Uh, I think that He directs and guides and sustains uh, all things to their appointed end, uh, because we believe that God has uh, predestined all things, and now He works in a way so that He brings them to that end that He purposed for them um, before the beginning. This is the providence of God at work, in whom we can, we can trust, in whom uh, the Hebrew church is being called, in whom Fisherville this evening is being called to trust because he is able to keep his own from stumbling and will not wear out in the middle. And you might say, well, that's a very great disconnect. How did you get from providence in the end uh, into keeping us from stumbling? We'll see that in a moment. Uh, this, this is the declaration of scripture that Jesus is supreme. Uh, for to whom can it be, can it be uh, ascribed that this greatness and property of worship belongs to none other than the creator of the world himself? And so friends, I, I, I do call you to see him more than just uh, the, the nice prophet that Our popular media has brought us to see him. He is the eternal uh, son of God who remains unchanged. Uh, So what does this mean for us, you ask? Uh, It means that when we think of God and consider his words in any way other than in his son, Jesus Christ, it means when we come to read the Bible, it means when we come to gather together like this, it means when we come to pray and not do all of those things, in light of Jesus and the work that he has done, we are like unbelievers, disbelieving that we have in Jesus the express image of the living God. This is the true sense of, of idolatry, trying to see and know God in other things than Jesus Christ. So it might take a while, a moment, uh, for us to, to really investigate in ourselves. Uh, if we are trying to see God in other things other than uh, his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, so far, so good. Well, until until we come to the stumbling block and uh, a statement of offense, I think, in the world, which is that this same one made purification for sins. For sin and and for for unrighteousness. I say so because uh, everyone is able to accept all of these terms of who Jesus is up until this point that Jesus has actually died for sin and made purification and actually sat down at the right hand of the Father. So we see here that more than just upholding the universe by the word of, the, of his power, more than just declaring uh, the glory of God to the created world, more must be done to bring the world to its in, intended end than, uh, than, as we have said, upholding the entire universe. Because, because the world is, on its own is retarded, it is warped. The curse of sin invades all of creation while always turning... Backwards into ourselves rather than seeking God. And so, uh, for this reason, God's judgment and condemnation have come into all the world and cursed. This is uh, the point of, of Scripture. This is the, the warning to the Hebrews. Cursed is anyone who then does not find refuge in the Son who became the curse in our place. So, you have those options be the curse yourself or find refuge and the son who actually became a on your behalf. The same son, the same, the same son here is, is described as cleansing uh, what he has made and is currently sustaining. Uh, but then a, a visit into the types and figures of the Old Testament uh, shows us that there is no purification or cleansing without the shedding of blood, unblemished blood. And so the problem presented in all of scripture is that there is absolutely no one in all of creation able to offer purification for sin. It remains that it must be God Himself. It will be, God promises that it would be his Messiah, who will be so identified with him in all points that he rose and reigns as the Lord. Well, May ask you then, have you, have you trusted and accepted as yours the purification by the blood of Jesus in his death on that cross? Have you been confronted by the Holy God who speaks and his words, righteous and true, have pierced into the far reaches of your soul? This is a, a glimpse of what Isaiah saw when. Uh, writing these words that we know so much of. He was pierced for our transgressions, and the Lord laid the iniquity of, of all of us on him. Isaiah is 53. So the, the greatness of our Lord, our Lord Jesus is, is then presented not only as uh, utterly unique in nature, but also in his accomplishment of this purification once and for all. And then afterwards, afterwards he sits down having accomplished the work supremely such that no more can be added to it. It sits down. The work is done, right? Uh, there, there are some that have likened this to the, to the seventh day rest of God after creation, not because God was worn out, but because he was satisfied with the goodness of his work. Uh, no more could be added to that perfection. Uh, however, this does not mean that this work has ceased from then on, But it means that now he reigns and sits enthroned as king over all things and working so uh, until he has brought as many sons as has been determined to glory. And sons here is not gender specific. It's just a term of inheritance for all of of God's people uh, who are found in Jesus. Well, The man, Jesus Christ, having accomplished his work, sat down. Uh, But you see, in our minds, when, when somebody sits down, it is a statement of being retired and hanging up your robes, as it were. But we find out more and more as we continue reading that it is more of a continuing work. He sits down to permanently minister now for God's people, He's an abiding priest, and for this reason, uh, some of the hymns are so helpful for us. You know the hymn, before the throne of God above, I have a strong and perfect plea, the great high priest, whose name is love, whoever lives and bleeds for me. Whoever lives and bleeds for me. This is uh, where we see him uh, coming to sit down because he's actually done the work that nobody could ever supplement in any way. Uh, the man is, is appointed as the heir of all things, sits not merely on the right hand side of the throne of God in heaven, but, but on the right hand side of him that sits on the throne himself. Uh, well, you say, I'm thought the same, like sitting on the right hand side of the throne, sitting on the right hand side of him who sits on the throne. But recall the visions of John who sees the Lamb. Uh, as though slain from the foundations of the world, how the elders and the living beings uh, worship him in the very same terms uh, and place that they do God uh, on the throne. And so they ascribe to him the same worth, the honor, and the glory that is due only to the Lord. Right? What does that make him? It makes him the Lord himself. This is the glory. Uh, of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, why, why should this matter to us? Well, I'm glad you asked. This is, this is good news because it means that he will not abandon the work that he has begun in each and every one of us, in each and every one of his people all over the world, uh, but works to save them to the uttermost, being that faithful high priest. Uh, he actually finishes his work and completes faithfully what he has promised. So we, we must, we must take him at his promises. They must excite our prayers even as we seek God fulfilling his, his purposes through answering those prayers. That just changes the way that we approach prayer and we approach the throne of God, that his promises are the ones that excite our prayers and the way God fulfills his work in the world, is by answering those prayers. So, the Lord, we see, is faithful to his son, and consequently, those found abiding in the son. We would like it to be, God is faithful to us, but above all things, God is faithful to this son, uh, who has done a work that no one else could and would do uh, now he has, uh, in verse four, received the most excellent name uh, into which we have we have also been brought, that of Son. Right. Says so. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the Majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. So. Uh, as excellent as this name is, he is also invariably superior to even the angels. And there's no surprise here because uh, throughout scripture, when, when the, the prophets, uh, Daniel uh, and John, for example, they, they encounter these messengers of God and they are tempted to bow down to them, the messengers always say, no, no, I am merely a messenger. You must worship God alone, right? They are creatures whose object of worship is the Son. This is this is not just because Jesus, as Son, outranks them, and they are still merely in the same categories of being. Like, but he's just greater, a super angel or a superman or something like that. But he is. Uh, Completely different and distinct from this, it is is a stark contrast that is presented here uh, concluding this section as to how Jesus is superior to all messengers and the messages of God. They must all point to him. They must all point to him. So seeing how incomparably great and insurpassably supreme Jesus the Son is, uh, we have to be brought to tremble at the edge of the ages, when those days that the prophets of old look forward to have become these days, right? The prophets of old, Peter says, they searched intently with the greatest care when this was going to happen, what it would look like, and yet to us, to us, we are living in the midst of that, that revelation. And so the warning then, uh, becomes even greater of neglecting this salvation because we know so much more. Because Jesus is so great, his salvation is just as great. And then uh, the warning is take care lest you reject so great a salvation. So uh, how do we do this in, in practical terms? Intentionally by taking up prayer and the study of the scriptures Fellowship with one another in, in in discipleship in in Jesus Christ wakes and makes up for a constant reminder and the use of god's grace in our lives to shape us more and more and more into the image of this glorious son uh, and, and so just a note on these warnings uh, the, the warnings are not here to bully us uh, into in just mindless obedience, but they are to spare us into the obedience of faith, a persevering faith exclusively because we have in Jesus, in the Son, full access to the throne of God. And in that we'll find timely help and to know that, again, he ever lives to plead for us. We, We have our man in heaven, and he's a priest whose work is actually done, unlike the work of the Levites. That was never enough. But Jesus, our friends, has sat down at the right hand of the Majesty on high, having completed that work on our behalf. Now we have more recourse to to pray with favor, because the way has been opened for us to enter into God's presence. The way has been opened for us to actually participate in, in life and godliness. So Here's, here's a hymn from, from, from Ambrose. Um, just bear with me. If, if you came here thinking that you're done with hymns, here's one more. Uh, this is from Ambrose 340, 397, 80. It uh, says, on commenting on, on, on this section that we just read, "All splendor of God's glory bright, from light eternal bringing light, light's fountain, an eternal spring, true day, all day's illumining. O Christ, with each returning morn, thine image in our hearts is born. O may we ever see clearly our Savior and our God in thee. Amen. And so, friends, God still speaks in, in and by his spirit, and we have come to know it, especially when the word of truth is preached and our spirits conceived. Because the Spirit of God in us communicates the Lord Jesus to us in ways that are beyond expression. So the call then is uh, for us to fix our eyes singly on him, abiding in him as the most excellent, the most glorious, and incomparably great Lord and God, our Savior. Uh, And so as we conclude Uh, We hear these words from from Peter concerning this glorious son in whom all God's revelation is found. To answer who this son is, well, judge for yourselves. uh, who, Who do you say Jesus Christ is? Says Peter, He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times. For the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and your hope are in God. Let us pray. Our dearest Father, we are thankful uh, for your word that comes alive uh, when you move by your spirit and you open our eyes and our ears to hear and see our. what it is that you have for us in your son. And we ask that uh, he will be your weight in our lives. He will be uh, our comparison for all things, and in all things we would seek uh, your honor uh, in all things. And so we pray in Jesus' name, through whom you give us every good and, and precious gift, such as this moment. Amen. Amen. Thank you.